Hello and welcome to another episode in Client Chips Customer Experience Superheroes podcast series. This is a series dedicated to unearthing those customer experience superpowers that we at Clientship believe the modern day customer experience leader needs to have. Throughout each series, we've brought you different dimensions and different talents we believe are important, in fact, integral to being a success in customer experience. Across the series, we've had some great guests, but arguably today's guest is one of the most influential and certainly inspiring individuals in customer experience today. We will be speaking with Nate Brown, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Officium Labs and also was the mastermind behind the highly successful CX Accelerator, which is a fabulous community for customer experience professionals to share insights, ideas and inspiration. So let's meet Nate Brown. So uh, here we are then with Nate Brown, of all people. Good afternoon, Nate. How are you? Hello, Mr. Brooks. I'm very well, thank you. It's, it's, it's been a, a personal quest of mine to get you onto our CX Superheroes <laughs> podcast series. So to know we've, uh, we've finally landed it is, is just awesome. And uh, I'm so grateful. I mean, we, we have come into contact uh, recently regarding the, uh, the Customer Experience World Games, which you really kindly got involved in. But uh, I think sitting on the uh, other side of the pond, it, you're someone who I certainly and, and colleagues I speak to have a very high regard for in, in kind of taking customer experience into, into a better place. So, so thank you for that, sir. Oh, my pleasure. And your creativity around the World Games was just absolutely epic. And it's been so fun uh, following you recently, being a student of you these past few months. I, I've just loved the insight that I'm getting from you. So thank you. No, that, that, that's kind. I'll lead into a secret. I'm a bit of a magpie. I do this sort of stuff. I steal it and I repackage it, but don't tell anyone, mate, okay? <laughs> well, you're very good at it. <laughs> right. So look, the, the podcast is, the purpose of it is to sort of unearth those superpowers that you need to have mm. to be a leader in customer experience. And um, what, 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 what is the one that you're bringing to the table now? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to talk about kicking ourselves in the butt a little bit and, and okay. motivating us to get outside of and beyond some of the rut that we've fallen into as CX professionals. Uh, me and Ben Motorham did a study last year looking at the skills that CX professionals generally bring to the table. We actually did a Myers-Briggs type assessment on 100 different CX professionals and found that they were missing some of the key skills that were required to really motivate and inspire people to do this work over time really well. There, there's that burnout factor with it. And so we're on a quest to really get people excited and looking at a long-term view of CX work. So that's really interesting. So are you talking about the dynamic of being leaders in the Myers-Briggs that they're missing? Do they, are they strong in other areas? Is, but is it that, that kind of inspiration, leadership quality they're missing? Or, or are there other skills they're missing as well? I think you know, it's so interesting when we look at CX work and all the hats that are required to do it really well. You've got to be very motivational and very inspirational in terms of creating a sense of urgency. People want to change. They have a desire to do something different than what they've always done. That, that you have to have that capability. But then if you can't prove the ROI of the work and take a very analytical, data-driven approach to impacting change and doing a change management, project management approach to this, it's going to go nowhere. In my opinion, the way that I see this working really well, you've got a good hybrid of skills on a CX unit. It's mm -hmm. unlikely that any one person is going to contain all these skills. 
But if you think about, we got to have somebody that can really light the fire. And, right. and that might be the leader of the team. It, it could be. But then you've got to have the support structure under that individual that has the capability to sustain the work and earn the right to grow the work over time. If you don't combine both of those elements, you're dead before you even get started. Do you think we don't understand that at the moment, what kind of the, the team structure is for customer experience? Because if, if we're just saying we do customer experience, is that sort of as, as naive as to say, oh, I do IT, and then assuming that, you know, the myriad of tasks and responsibilities in there are done by one person. And, and to your mm. point, it's just too, in, it's too intense and it's, it's too far reaching now for one individual to yeah. be able to claim to, to do it all proficiently. I'm a huge advocate of the CX Change Coalition. Mm -hmm. It is a cross-functional group of stakeholders represented by the different key groups inside of the company that have true, authentic leaders of CX that are embedded and work inside of those groups. Mm -hmm. You can't take a CX function and put it over here on the left and expect that unit to be able to penetrate and meaningfully impact the organization over here on the right. They've got to be inside of that organization, living that life, being inside of the teams. Otherwise, it's going nowhere. I, I feel like, Chris, I used to take the, the Moses approach to CX, mm-hmm. where I would, I would have my golden tablets of voice of customer data, and I'd come down off Mount Sinai, and I'd <laughs> slam them down and say, all of you Israelites suck. You're not serving these customers very well. And, and that wasn't motivating for everybody sure. or anyone. And they're like, hey, where did you come from? You've been on this mountain and we've been over here dealing with all these issues. So yeah. it totally changed my mindset. It's, it's more of a, a Gandalf approach. Let's create a fellowship of the ring with all the different races, all the different departments involved. Let's bring these people together, unify them and galvanize them under the, the quest and the banner of CX and make it, make it their own. Have them make the work their own. Until that's happened, you're not motivating anybody. And, and the, the coming off the mountain is, is something I've seen so many times before where it's a case of, you know, good news, everyone, we're here. You know, you've been, <laughs> you've been, you've been trading for 50 years, you know, you've been hugely yeah. profitable, you're all living good lives, but don't worry, we're here now to kind of save the day. Whereas I think customer experience has to be more humble. It has to kind of say, oh, look, yeah. product, price, everyone else, guys, you, you're, you're fabulous, but, you know, there's this emerging need and, and we're going to have to raise our game. And it's our responsibility mm. as, as the new kid on the block to earn our right to be at the table. And, and we can help you, actually. We can make your job easier. Yeah. We can allow you to yes. focus on the exciting things by taking com- care of some of the other stuff. But, you know, we're part of the team now and, uh, and hopefully you'll accept us. Uh, and, and I think that's a much more organic and empathetic sort of approach and, and probably sustainable, mm. isn't it, to do it that way? Yeah. I mean, me, me and Kay Chapman wrote a blog recently, is, is CX an art or a science? Oh, I saw that. Yes. I, I, that's a great hypothesis. I love that. And it's an interesting debate there, but I, I really feel like the science of CX is behind us. And, and if we do approach the different stakeholders inside of the organization with that, with that mentality of if we serve our customers well, if we do CX management well, you're, the objectives that you have as a department leader, here's what that means. Here's the implications of that. If you're a sales leader, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to organically grow your acquisition engine by 200%. If we can increase the satisfaction and the loyalty of our customers by this much, this is what happens through word of mouth marketing through customers becoming ambassadors. This is what it's going to do for you. If you're in IT, and it's so interesting. Have you read Chief Customer Officer 2.0 by Gene Bliss by chance? Uh, do you know what? It came up in um, James Dobkin's CX quiz yesterday. So uh, it's been ordered. 
It, it's the best. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was the most influential work for me as I started to get into customer experience. And she has this brilliant section on identifying the power core inside of the organization and trying to turn them into a CX ally. Mm-hmm. And so often it is IT. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is they control the data and all these digital transformation efforts that are top of mind on our CEO's mind. That, that needs to be part of the CX work. Because if you look at digital transformation, it's enhancing the experience on digital channels for employees and customers. And if that's not CX, I don't know what is. So if we can meaningfully uh, create an ally inside of that power core, that IT department that cares about CX, that understands CX and tries to unify these two things together, it's amazing how much more we can achieve. That's really down to the great stakeholder management, isn't it? And I, I, you know, I think we have this as one of our stakeholder um, powers. It's why influencers are, are important in customer experience because you need to be able to do your decent stakeholder management to help people understand we're here to help, we're not a threat, but we need you desperately in order for us to go forward. And, and actually, to your point, this is what we can actually achieve. Mm. We did a piece of work with a, a recruitment agency in specializing customer experience, and um, we got them to, to recognize that if you start a customer experience program, the chances are you won't finish. <laughs> you're so right you know, it's a different skill at, <laughs> at the start you need to roll your sleeves up you need to take the punches you need to go around knock on the doors you need to have them slammed in your face and go back again and work out how you know to your point which is the function that can help you and work out what your position is wow now at the other end of the scale you need flair you need creativity because this is the growth this is where it's yes. you know kind of leveraging the strengths and that's a different skill set and i think perhaps we need to understand the the dynamics of the individuals in, in, involved, which I, I guess is, is, is what you're saying here, isn't it? We've got, to, we've got to rough it up a bit and kind of you know, recognize that it's got to move on. That was very well said. And, and what just popped in my head as you said that is we have to give people a reason to, to care about mm-hmm. customer experience and motivate them to want to make a change. And then we have to have the ability to guide them in what that change looks like. If you don't have both of those factors there, you're not going anywhere. What you're saying makes imminent sense and and I, and I think I've got two or three examples where I can see how it works then it brings me back to is well at that starting point unless you have a basis and you're established and you know, you're a function are you seen just as a flyby night project and how can you give people a purpose if, if it's kind of just pointing and saying can you see roughly where we're going come, come with me on that or is this back to your point Nate that actually the first phase is really about having brilliant dynamic leadership qualities so that yes, you're going to have to get people to go with you a bit on the journey before you start sort of laying down some markers and, and getting some successes. People need to believe yep. before you can get going. Hi, I'm a huge fan of leading change by John Coder. And this first stage of a change management cycle inside of, of his methodology is establish a sense of urgency. You got to light a fire. So that, and that's number one. Number two is getting that CX change coalition in place. So you're bringing the stakeholders together. You're earning allies of the work. You're identifying the power core. Number three, you are getting those quick wins, as you just said. Yep. You're giving people hope and inspiration yep. that this work is going to make a difference. Yep. And serving customers is going to make the business better. Then you get into, I guess, your harder core project management mentality, wetting the appetite for the fact that a CX initiative like we're talking about, is a two to three year run rate in terms of your ability to develop a voice of customer engine, establish a a baseline of how your customers think and feel about you right now, be able to make changes 
after identifying the moments of truth in that voice of customer cycle. Mm-hmm. And then after making those changes, again, being able to measure as we improved the life of our customers, yeah. how were we able to improve this organization? That takes time. It does. And therefore, I guess you've got to have a, a leader that can convey. I mean, they kind of need, need you, Nate, because to convey like that, it, it wins <laughs> me over. But they need to be able to convey it and they need to then be able to hold their position, don't they, through that time? Because hmm. I've, I've seen before organizations who have got excited about savings and efficiencies and then when the efficiencies are less than the cost of the department they can't understand why the cfo won't invest in them to grow customer experience it's like you've you've taken the fame for being you know the new version of efficiency you can't expect to now be seen as the area that's going to grow the distinction and the differentiation for the business someone said to me the other day about you know you've got to help the ceo know that from day one at some point in the future he's going to have to put his house on customer experience if he wants to get to the top it's going to be expensive, not yet, but it will get expensive. And, and you know, that's, you think about that. Me and you stand in there, stand in a corporation, put your arm around the CEO and say, you can't see anything yet, but can I just get your commitment that in two years time, you'll, you'll bet your house on me. You don't know right. me, by the way, but you know, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an easy thing, is it? It requires a really special type of individual to, to convey that, You're right. that leadership skill. Yeah, it, it is a long-term play for sure. But the, the, the cool thing and the interesting thing is too, though, and you said this, Chris, earlier, there, there's a humility to this work that is important mm-hmm. and, and is oftentimes missing where CX professionals get so hung up on vernacular of everything has to be in the CX program. And, and even the word program is dangerous because yeah. <laughs> that implies a short-term project. This is going to have a finish line. CX does not have a finish line. Sure. But, but what happens, I mean, when you get into an organization and there's good momentum happening, things that are like, as an example, a Lean Six Sigma initiative that is finding efficiencies and reducing friction in the experience of the customer and the employees, that is the work of customer experience. If we can humble ourselves to the point where even if they're not calling it that, if we can partner along with that and identify further opportunities to generate customer-centric change as part of that initiative, whether it's called CX or not, that gives us the ability to push the work along and be gentle and be kind in the way that we're doing it and to earn those allies over time and to eventually do what we're actually trying to do, which is serve our customers and serve our employees, whether or not we get to come out at the end of it with, with some huge crown on our head, that's not the point. Do you think you've actually tapped into something that I always find is one of those behaviors that we forget about when we're delivering customer experience is that it is an experience for our colleagues that we're taking them through. Yeah. And if we, if we want to convince them that positive outcomes for customers is what we have to deliver, it's very challenging for them to see that if the way we conduct ourselves trying to establish the customer experience hmm. is not consistent with that. Everything you do, therefore, has to be an experience. But it, and this is where it gets even more challenging because at that point, I guess early on, you're still trying to fathom out what shape the customer experience should be for this organization. Just how far can we take it? What is going to be its strength in terms of customer experience? If you're then trying to convey that to your colleagues to get you coming along and you haven't quite settled it yourself, you can create the wrong behaviors without even realizing it. Goodness. The, the best work I've ever read on this topic is Fusion by Denise Leon. And she so articulately writes about how you create this authentic internal experience that then becomes a gift in an overflow that makes its way to the customers, but it does it in a way that's sustainable, that is authentic, 
that is driven by your, your real culture inside of the organization. And that's the only way to do it right. It's like a, a, a films where you're actually following the life of an actor inside the film itself because you're, you're playing, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're playing a role yourself inside the customer experience you're trying to establish. And you must never let your guard down because as soon as you do, you've got to accept, well, when your back is turned, then everyone else will as well. Cause if you don't mm. believe in it and you don't follow it through, so all your actions and behavior have to be extremely customer centric. And I guess, you know, let's be honest, unless you've done that a few times, you're not, you can't just go into that first of all and do that. Um, you need to kind of have earned, earned your spurs. I remember um, one of the, the greatest jobs I have ever had to help me understand how customer experience works was serving tables in Pizza Hut when I was a yes. kid. It taught me so much about differentiated experience. Mm. It taught me how I could resolve and improve. You know, it's just at the time, obviously, obviously I didn't realize that I was just serving pepperonis and, you know, getting back to college. But it really did help me understand how dynamic an experience is. So true. Yeah, for me, I was a sandwich artist at Subway. Uh-huh. And had a a similar realization in that process. You know, I have a, an interesting story on this. So uh, there was there was a point in time where we did a, a a fairly innovative voice of customer program where we gave everybody these flashing USB web key buttons, and we said anytime you get unstructured feedback through a phone call with a customer or an email where it doesn't fit into our survey program, that feedback is so important to us. Hit this button. It's going to take you to an ultra simple form where you can log that feedback and indicate the, what's going on with that customer and their customer sentiment. And we're going to take that and we're going to bring that into our customer first meeting every week. And we're going to close the loop with that customer. And we were faithful to do that. What we weren't doing is anything like that for our own employees where we were being so tenacious and so concerned about the voice of our customers. And, and I, I remember distinctly giving this button to one of our sales agents. And she said, where's my button? Because mm. the, the message yeah. was, you don't care about yeah. my voice. Yeah. And, and I, I, had, I had to go back and completely, I, I had to apologize. The larger mm. organization say, this was an oversight on my part. The, what you are doing and the experience that you are creating, that is the customer experience. And, and we launched a thing called Office Vibe, which is this brilliant pulse survey tool. And, and it's the employees have the capability to give meaningful feedback on their mobile device or their PC or whatever, like once a week through a, these fun little three to five uh, questions a week. And it's open-ended feedback as well. It was incredible just the, the release that came from that and, and the energy that came from that by giving that to our employees first and then filling in the gaps with the customer experience. Wow. But I think there you go, Nate. I mean, you're a smart cookie. You get it. And yet, you know, and by doing the best intentions, giving these devices out to collect the unstructured data, you just unintentionally skip past a fundamental, which is to get the employees. on. And that's the challenge we have here, isn't it? So where are we now with customer experience? And do you think we're at a crossroads? Do you think it's it needs a bit of a shake up? And, and what, what, what's your rationale for that? Yeah, it definitely needs a shake up. I mean, Bob Thompson's research on this is great in terms of him projecting that 93% of CX initiatives are failing mm-hmm. to demonstrate meaningful value back to their mm-hmm. organizations. If that's not a wake up call, I, I don't know what is. So we need to do something differently. We need to take a more embedded change management approach. <laughs> We, we need to do what we were talking about earlier, Chris, about having that really dynamic capability to light the fire and to motivate and energize and do things creatively and, and to have that sense of urgency built in. 
but then at the same time, be really smart about the project management and the change management capabilities around this. Make people want to change and then guide them towards actual specific behaviors and mentalities that represent that change. We're not doing both of those things together. And so I think that's a really astute point you make there in terms of guiding them towards the behaviors and the changes you want. Uh, so, you know, and that doesn't have to be handcuffs, but that's handrails. That's giving them a guidance to understand, hey, look, you know, in our world, the things that really matter to the customers are these. So yeah. it's not just a case of be empathetic. It's not just a, you know, remove friction. It's not just the great big topics, it's actually understanding what that means to me in this organization and this type of customers, there is certain things that would work when it comes to being empathetic and other things that kind of wouldn't. So it's yep. really giving people that toolkit as well as that purpose to follow in that right direction. So I did a, I did a little exercise once and it was, it was a university we were working with and, and sitting at a, a spaghetti house. And, and the, the, the question was around, you know, are my people actually the right people for customer experience? Interesting. Can you, can you teach people or is it kind of in you? And I said, and I might be wrong on this, Nate, but I kind of, I had a view at the time. And as we sat there in the spaghetti house, I just knocked my fork onto the floor. <laughs> Three servers walked by before the fourth person walked by, picked it up, didn't say a thing, took it away, came back with a clean one, put it down and said, is everything okay? And I said, I think it's in you, this ability to, to want to make a positive impact oh. rather than it being kind of trained in you. Now, that may be wrong, Nate. I think just giving people that purpose, you've got to connect to something that really me is meaningful to them, haven't you? So that they can go, Amen. you've lit the touch paper for me now and, I, and I'm off and running. Yeah, this, this is such a hard topic and, and I've not made friends on this topic because I, <laughs> I take a pretty hard view on this. I mean, and, and this was inspired by Denise Leon, this, this metaphor that in my mind, I've been using quite a bit lately as, as I speak on this topic and, and as I act as a practitioner too. It's this idea of the gate, the fence and the house. The gate we, we have to identify together culturally those mentalities and behaviors that we want inside of our organization. What is our culture needing to look like? Let's put some words around that. Let's get our, our leadership aligned in terms of what that ideal culture looks like. And Jeff Toyster has some great work on this topic around uh, the service culture handbook and developing those set of terms. From there, you have to be very tenacious about who you let into the gate. Don't let people in that don't represent that ideal culture. So once you've, once you've evolved in that hiring capability, then it's time to look at, at the, those that are collected there that are on the fence because we all have those employees that are sitting on the fence mm -hmm. and they're, they're waiting to be pushed. They're, they either need to be pushed towards the house, <laughs> which is your ideal culture that you're creating, or they need to be pushed outside of the fence back into the yard where they can go find somewhere else to live. And in the vast majority of those individuals, Chris, if we're to be totally honest with ourselves, most of them are, are going to end up being pushed towards the yard because there's just something there where it's so hard for human beings to make authentic changes inside of themselves after a certain point. But there definitely are those individuals. There is a percentage of them that have that there inside of them, and they just need a little bit of a push, and they need to be reminded how they can endorse those behaviors and mentalities. Uh, Professor Dr. Phil Klaus has done a, a similar study and got to 91% wow. of customer experience organizations fail to deliver any, any mm. value. Um, but the, the habits of the ones at the top end actually are we hire with an understanding of 
our organization and what we stand for so that you can deliver to the best of our and your ability. I remember working with a, 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 an organization that they're an ethical organization. They actually said we were doing really well. Uh, we had a really strong ethical recruitment policy. So kind of, you know, you needed to be a seven in terms of really being ethically driven. But mm. then we got busy. We got famous. <laughs> we got busy and we just had to let the guard down. Oof, yep. And now all of a sudden, customers don't value their ethical credentials as much. And you can, but you can see how that happens, can't you? Just, oh, yeah. And this is where I think, coming back to our original point about quality of leadership, because you've got mm. to be, in my mind, one of the CX superpowers you need to have is X-ray vision. Oh, you, nice. you know, you've got to be able to see out there, haven't you? And just spot the things that aren't coming yet. Well and making sure that you lay, you lay the foundations. No one's, and this is, a, this is about removing friction. You mm. do things now that no one's going to notice in the future, but you're okay with that. <laughs> you, you set the bar really high for recruitment, which meant that, you know, it was a bit stressful on the phones. Yep. No one's going to thank you for that. But actually, it was the right thing to do because we made sure we had the right people working here. Required. You can't do those things if you're stuck in a quarterly shareholder mentality as a business. You're not going to have time to rip the Band-Aids off. Mm. But if, you, if, you have, if you've earned that long-term view of mm-hmm. this initiative is going to take a couple years to really be able to demonstrate that meaningful difference, you can do the hard things. And do you think vision will serve organizations well through the last few months? Do you think if you've got that in place, mm. you're going to come out stronger? Or do you think you actually can use what's happened as a bit of a, a catalyst to say, I'm really sorry, but I, I think we were, we were slightly out of line with where we need to be. We need to reset things now. Do yeah. you think this, those organizations can use this opportunity to, to go forward? Absolutely. I mean, the, the veil has been torn. Mm-hmm in terms of the butts in seats mentality that we had with everybody just showing up to the office and turning their brains off for nine hours and then walking back out the door. That has been eliminated and leaders have already been required to think about how can I engage and motivate my team when I can no longer see them in front of me sitting at their computers. That change has already happened. So leaders have been challenged in a new way. And I have been so encouraged, Chris, and I hope you have too. I can't believe how quickly and how well organizations have evolved to this challenge and how leaders that have been just punching a time clock for the the last 10 years all of a sudden are doing new innovative things (laughs) and and leading their teams better than they have been ever before. I I think this has been a great wake-up call for a lot of people. I chose to only focus on positive improvements during lockdown. There was many Mm. negatives out there and I decided to collect the positives and some of the initiative. Things like uh, and it's not just employees, things like saying to suppliers, we pay you in 60 days normally, we're going to yep. change that to make it 48 hours because you need wow. cash flow. Saying yeah. to suppliers, any contract we have in place that runs out this year is automatically re- renewed to mm. next year um, because we need you guys as much as yeah. you need us. That, you know, that sort of change is just fabulous. And of course, yes, there's uh, organizations like Twitter saying, you know, work from home, improves, improves well-being. you know, we'll figure it out, but that's a permanency now. You know, I, I've been very encouraged by that. And what, what it's done for me is really help us, I think, in customer experience understand that when you're making an improvement, it's no longer the organization of the customer sitting at the table and saying, are we happy with this? Yeah, I'm happy with this. You've got the employee there. You've got your communities. You've got society. You've arguably got your competitors. You know, where you say, if we, if, we change, if we change this dynamic, does it make you raise your game? You're like, 
Yep, you make us raise our game. That's a good thing for everyone. So actually, everyone benefits. And if and any one of those stakeholders puts their hand down, then arguably we shouldn't do it. It's just yeah. not good enough. And I think that's what this period has helped us understand, is that also customers notice that now. Without, without transactions and the, the normal interactions, they've been looking at companies in a slightly different way, I think. And they've yeah. been going, you know, as you say, they've lifted the bow and had a look. And it's and there's a great um, the Edelman Trust Barometer uh, showed mm. that I think it's a third of a third of customers will not use the companies they used before because of the way they treat their employees. Now that wouldn't have come up in the past. No. And also two thirds would choose other organisations because of the compassion they've shown to their staff and their their communities, but also because they're putting in place innovation to make a difference. So oh. rather than just sort of saying you know well let's we'll, we'll sell the stock at half the price. They're using technologies to come up with ways to get around things. And they're going, that's a smart company. I, I, should, I should go and take a look at that company and, and, and be with them. And mm. I think you're right. This is how experience is evolving. Uh, it's becoming multifaceted. It's not just about transactions. It's much broader than that. So back to your original point, how can we, how can we own that? You know, how can we land grab that? We, we can't. We've got to, be, got to be proud of our colleagues in other areas when they're making improvement changes mm -hmm. rather being resentful of the fact that we haven't got some sort of you know recognition for it yeah and i've really been proud of fishy and the company that i work for for that mentality and that approach to to how they do things mm -hmm. i mean it really is as we as we, as a network organization <laughs> taking top cx talent and associating it to, to great organizations that need burst capacity and other things I mean, we're, we've found so many opportunities in these past few months to decentralize wealth and to serve the communities that we live and work in That's and that we have all these employees that, that live and work in. It, it's not about, again, coming out with a crown on our heads. Mm -hmm. It's about how can we serve people really well and, and make this world better as we do CX in, in an excellent way, reduce mm -hmm. friction out of people's lives, pull that stress out of their lives give them a great work experience so they can invest back in their families and back into the things that they really care about. That is the new order for customer experience, I believe. I think its contribution will be, maybe the perceptive measure will no longer be satisfaction, but you've made me feel better. Yeah. I feel good or you've, you've empowered me to do other things. And, yeah. And then customer experience is a force for good, isn't it? So I, I just got this hat. Liking that hat. Thank you. And it is hats in the, in the belfry. Mm -hmm. uh, so ordered it online, um, but in, in this, I, I get a lot of confidence out of a nice hat. Mm -hmm. that, that really does happen for me. But I, I hate when the hat does the, the, brim, the brim up thing. And, and this hat, for some reason, I cannot shape the brim because I, I always like it to be this style of fedora. In like fact, this. that looks more your signature look, Nate. I realize now, yeah. So And, and I love this hat, but I, I, I had to email their customer service and say, hey, I need help shaping the brim of this hat. Mm -hmm. And and so right now it's on them if they're going to be able to deliver the experience, the overall experience that I need to allow this hat to give me that confidence. If they don't come through, I'm not going to be able to use this hat. And, and that's the purpose it's serving, isn't it? Experience is about increasing confidence. So where have we got to with this then, Nate? We recognize that we need strong leaders to, to kick the game off. We recognize it's not a program, it's a forever strategy. Yeah. And I think we recognize that, you know, those who start may not finish the race and that's okay. Yep. We recognize that, you know, it's amazing what you can achieve when no one cares who takes the credit. And, <laughs> and we recognize that there are many small steps, which mean that you've got to be forensic as well as 
visionary at the same time. And in fact, we recognize that, you know, pretty unlikely one person's going to be able to do, do it all now. Um, do you think we're recognizing that customer experience isn't just about transactions or do you think that's getting through now or do you think that's the turning point we're at at the moment? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, it, it is it is a change management process and we need to get back to those fundamentals. And, and to your point, Chris, Veronica Rose had me redo StrengthsFinder. And, and this was so helpful for me to be able to identify both the areas where I truly excel. I've yep. got a little bit of that woo strength in me, <laughs> which is really important, but it also heavily validated. I, I do not have analytical capabilities. I, I am not good at long-term execution and detail-based work. I, I have got to have people around me that are partnered with me in doing this work if I'm going to succeed. I cannot do this alone. And I think every CX leader needs to have that moment of truth mm -hmm. inside of themselves right now. You are not enough by yourself <laughs> to be able to lead this change inside of an organization unless you're just some absolute superhuman being, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure you are. But, but the, the idea is we, we are better together. We are better yeah. together in this work. Understand what, where you are exceptional and understand where you need other people to be exceptional and fill those gaps. Well, I think, Nate, you demonstrate that with CX Accelerator. Hmm. Okay, let's say you had a notice board with all those questions that are raised on there. Maybe you could have spent you know, the rest of your life going away and trying to find those answers off of Google. The reality is there are, there are some absolute legends on there who just, in a heartbeat, give you brilliant answers, evidence-based, uh -huh. And that wouldn't have happened unless, no. you know, you had the mindset to think, I can't do this on my own. And I think that's the, that's wow. the strength that, you know, by having the appreciation of the need to have that team around you, it allows you to create something like CX Accelerator rather than saying, no, what I'm going to create is a little vault with all the answers in it and no one else is going <laughs> to see it, you know? And, and that leads to, you know, in technology, that leads to open architecture. It leads to sharing great practice between sectors, between competitors, because at the end of the day, it's going to raise the game. It's going to only take us forward. Imagine yeah. if in the world, we mentioned science earlier, imagine the world of science, everyone in the world of science who'd learned a tiny piece of the solution said it's mine and they never put it together I, I think science is an interesting parallel because the chances are the contribution you make you may not see the fruition or the the result of your works until after you've gone but that's yeah. okay it's not yeah. quite so brutal in customer experience fortunately but you know it is the case that you you lay you're laying something down and maybe someone else will come and pick it up and take it forward and that's okay you don't have to be the start the end the all the everything you're yep. part of the equation. So true. Yeah, so well said, Chris. I, I love that. And, and CX Accelerator is, is meant to be that. Mm -hmm. I, I love how you were able to jump in and make some comments that, that only you can make. I mean, in the area of like the psychology of CX, you are the first person that I would think of as being an expert in that area. Then Jeremy comes in. Oh, you know, here, here's a personal experience that I think for me. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Th this is the way community should operate. But the great thing about that, a bit like the scientist, it's not a case of smashing out of the park the previous comment. It's about building on top of it. And oh, that's really important in yes. these communities, isn't it? Because what you don't want to have is people kind of holding back because of the kind of the reservation or the, the imposter um, theory concerns. It's actually making sure that 
is recognised. Yeah. Hey, everything comes in here, and, and we, we build we build upon it. That's a that's a, that's an okay practice, and I think that's what customer experience Man. in an organisation has to get better at is to recognise. Hey, compliance have got the idea, or products have come up with the final pieces. Like this is this is what we wanted. This is brilliant, rather than you know you feel like you've got to run the baton across the finish line. Imagine if our media outlets could learn that lesson right now. <laughs> that it's not about right and wrong, and you're dumb and I'm smart. We can build on each other, and we can help and guide them to the truth. Yeah, that'll be that, that'll be a much much better world. Well, look, Nate, um, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's gone in the direction I hoped, and then you've taken it kind of like with a a rocket booster on the back end of it, and taken it to a completely different level. So, thank you so much. I'm inspired to see how your kind of trajectory on this thinking continues, and I think you know we need people like you to be pushing the envelope and, and helping us really stress test our current assumptions on customer experience, you know, always be restless, always take it forward. So I thank you for that on behalf of the CX community. Well, thank you, Chris. This was an awesome conversation and I'll, I'll come back anytime. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. You have a wonderful time. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for giving up your time for the CX Superheroes podcast. Mm-hmm.